0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 6. We're so glad you're able to join us here on our Sunday evening worship service here, our online service. We are going through the book of Exodus, studying the life of Moses, and it's exciting for an opportunity to come here. And study what God's word to show the story of redemption and how many ways Moses was a parallel of future Jesus who's going to come. He delivered the people out of Egypt, they were in bondage. And that's really what we're going to see here. We're going to see God tell the story about his outstretched arm, the power of his arm, how it is going to be able to set nothing that the Israelites do. It's all the Lord that sets them free. And when when we remember the Passover, when we remember the story of the um, uh, Hebrews, the the Israelites coming out of slavery, this is who did it. It was all the Lord. And that's the powerful passage here. So I want you to go ahead and and follow along here in your Bible. It starts here in verse 2. So we're going to be, we finished up the first, uh, 6-1 last week. So starting today, we're going to be in verse 2. So, Look here what God's Word says. Then, the, then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But I was not known to them by the name the Lord. And he wasn't. The Lord is Yahweh. God gave his name to Moses. God let them know, I am your God. You are my people. I have redeemed you, I have saved you, I have established a covenant with you. And that's that personal pronoun that I am, I will, that relationship with the Lord. When you or I are saved, when we come into a relationship with the Lord and with Jesus, we know Him on an individual, personal level. And that's how He knows us by name. He calls us by name. Hopefully you've been watching The Chosen, that series. If you remember the story of Mary Magdalene, that very first episode of season one, remember how Jesus, he spoke her name. The Bible says she had seven demons and he called her Mary. He spoke her name. He touched her. He was right there ministering to her. And obviously the demons went away and it set her free. Our salvation is we know the Lord by name. You know, this morning... Uh, we talked about in church, I talked about spiritual darkness and about what is truth. Lost people do not know the truth. Lost people do not have a personal relationship with God. They might know about the Bible. They might know his, some historical events. They can read and study some of the things about the scriptures. But they don't have that intimate, close relationship with With the Lord. And that's what it means to know God. There's a difference between knowing about God. A lost person could know about God. You can go to school and study, you can come to church and study about God, but knowing God is actually when you step into a relationship with Him. Moses is saying, God is speaking to Moses, saying, I have given you my name. You are my people. Moses, you are my prophet, even though you're a murderer. Even though you have sinned, I have a great plan and purpose for you. And that's what we see here when the God's word says, They don't know me by my name, the Lord. That's Yahweh. I have also established my covenant with them to give them in the land of Canaan. That's a promise. That's what a covenant is. It's a promise between Moses, the people of the Hebrews, the Hebrew people, Israelites, and God. He's given them the land of Canaan. A land that they lived in as aliens. So, remember the first time they lived in Canaan, God gave it to Abraham, but then they left. So, now they're coming back and God's going to give them their home again. They've been in this foreign land in Egypt and they're serving as aliens. But their, their land is what we call the promised land today. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. That's just like Noah. Remember Noah when they were in the ark all those months. And God, The Bible says, and God remembered Noah. Just here, they, they've been in slavery for 400 years under Pharaoh in Egypt. And God is saying, I have remembered my covenant. The promise I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... I have not forgotten about them. That's what we hold to as believers. Our promise is a promise in Christ. Our promise is one that we have a relationship and we know the Lord and God certainly remembers us. He has not forgotten us. Therefore, go tell the Israelites, I am the Lord and I'll bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. That's that salvation language. When you've been set free from slavery you have been rescued. Remember that story about Abraham Lincoln. I know y'all have heard it before. Probably every preacher in the world has told this story. Abraham Lincoln, well, in 1861 went to a slave uh, a slave auction and he bought a slave. And he he was outbidding against these other men. They have old, old the other men had ulterior motives there. He bought the slave and he told the young girl, he says, you're now free, after he purchased her. He got, he got the paperwork from the auctioneer, handed it to her, and says, you're free. And she looked at him and goes, free? What do you mean? He says, I've, I've, I've redeemed you, I've purchased you, and now I'm releasing you. You are no longer a slave. That is what salvation, that's a perfect picture of salvation. That's that rescue part. When we are saved, we are sl- we are slaves to sin. We're owned by the devil. He has all authority over our lives and influence. That's what Sunday morning sermon series on darkness has all been about. Talking about how we're trapped in darkness and Christ has rescued and redeemed us. That's like just this morning we were talking about the suppression of truth. The danger of the suppression of truth is... There is nothing more that the devil wants to do than to stamp out the truth. Remember in the Garden of Eden, he went after, the serpent went after what Eve said. When she said, we can't touch or eat from the tree, which by the way, Eve added to God's word when she said that, or we will die, and then the the snake speaks up. First of all, if you're talking to a walking snake, something should send red flags off in your life right there. But anyway, that's what was going on for Eve. She's talking to a walking, talking snake. And the snake says, you will not surely die. In fact, the day that you live it, God knows that your eyes will be open. Their eyes were open, but they were open to death. They were open to sin. They were open to realize that they are now going to die. So the serpent is actually going against God's truth. So much of what we deal with today is a battle of what is true. And the the lies all around us is a lie of deception and slavery. And Christ came, and he certainly does, come to rescue us from that slavery, from, from that bondage that folks are in. Keep going here in your Bibles. If you follow along here, it says, I will redeem you, with an outstretched arm, I love that phrase. I entitled this message here, "God's outstretched arm." What that means, an outstretched arm. Outstretched arm is literally—it's like you're sinking, and He reaches down and He pulls you up. It's that picture. Say you had a dog and it fell in the swimming pool, and you didn't want to jump in the pool yourself, but you reach down and you grab that dog. And you pulled it out of the pool so it does not drown. That's what an outstretched arm photo picture looks like for sure. He says, I've redeemed you with my outstretched arm. In these great acts of judgment. Meaning all of these things that are about to happen. You're about to see these plagues of judgment upon Egypt. I will take you as my people. These people were God's people. God, The Lord's people. And I will be your God. The Lord is our God. We know Him personally. We know Him individually. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'll give you as a possession. I am the Lord. You know, it's that constant reminder there. He's reminding Moses and the people, Moses, I am your God. You know, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to find yourself in difficult days, but I am your Lord. So many times God needs to remind us, no matter what we're going through, what season we're in, He's still God. He is our God. He is your God. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, He's your God. That's why we give our lives to Jesus as a young, young, young person. That way we can walk through all of our days with the Lord, living and serving certainly Him. He goes on to say here, I will bring you out of the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will will give it to you as a possession. He says, this land, it's now going to be yours. I'm giving you this. Our now possession is not the land for us of Israel. It's not the promised land. Our possession is rooted and found in Christ. Our identity is. Our salvation, our new life is found in the Lord. He is our hope. Moses told this to the Israelites. Look at this, and this is so sad. He goes and reminds them. Listen, this is what God did 400 years ago. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is your God. And it says here, But they did not listen to him. Because of their broken spirit in hard labor. They could not look past their circumstances. They could not see God's outstretched arm because all they saw and could experience was the hardship in slavery. And the biblical principle that God is teaching us is we have to be able to look past our circumstances and our surroundings to see how the Lord is. Work, you know, when you're in darkness, when you're in a difficult day, all you can focus on, all you can think about is the bad things going around you. Think about it. We tend to think about bad things more than good things. Someone says something inappropriate to you or hurtful, you're going to think about that. You're going to take that to bed. That, that's why the Bible says, do not go to bed angry. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Meaning, don't let this continue on. There's nothing anger and worry and being upset and disappointed about something, it doesn't do you any good by carrying it to the next day. Next day is going to have a new set of problems on its own. We trust and we believe in the Lord. And they did not listen to God. One of the most challenging things I think that we struggle with, listening to God, is we can't get past just our everyday routine life. And all they could think about was how hard their labor is. They now have to make bricks, the same quota with no straw, thanks to Moses. This is my predicament. This is where I'm at. And Moses, all you're doing is making this hardship worse. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. In verse 10. Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from his land. But Moses said in the Lord's presence... He's not saying it with all the people. You can see his doubts here. If the Israelites will not listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me? Since I'm such a poor speaker, we're reminding God, God, you know, I have no, I have no speaking skills. Even I can't even convince the Israelites. They don't want to listen to me. Why on earth would Pharaoh listen to me? I don't have good, I'm not a, I don't have good rhetoric. I don't have good oratory skills. Lord, look, I'm the most unqualified man on earth and you're calling me to do this. You can think of any excuse not to follow the Lord. Any excuse not to serve. Any excuse not to obey God. The Lord is looking for people, for you and I, who's going to serve Him. Who's going to raise your hand and say, Lord, I believe. I will listen to you. I will go. And sometimes going involves just going, um, going, going to a neighbor, going to a friend, going to maybe someone in Sunday school, and reaching out to them. Goes on to say here in your Bible. I hope you're following along. We're in Exodus six twelve. No one's. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I'm such a poor speaker. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands concerning both the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to the bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. God is promising them freedom. That promise of freedom, they they can't see it. Moses can't see it. He All he can see is he's a poor speaker. The people can't see it. All they can see is their slavery. Some of you can't see freedom. You can't see spiritual breakthrough. You don't see answers to prayer. You just... Oh, you're, just, you're looking at the numbers, you're looking at things in life, you're looking at cultural changes, and you think, God, I don't see revival. I don't see great things happening. A lot of folks have just given up praying for revival. Do you believe God can bring change in America? Do you think the folks here, and I'm looking out the window, thousands of folks drive by our church. Are they thinking about the Lord? Are they driving by our steeple that points to heaven with a cross on it? And being reminded that Jesus died for them, being reminded of what that cross represents, Christ tells us, He reminds us that He is the Savior. That's what the cross represents. And for for many of us, we uh, we can't look, we we don't see it because of because our situation, because of our inability. For Moses, it was speaking; for the people, it was slavery. You yeah, know, I think about this. What's powerful about this is how it relates today. Our country's been a country for roughly about 400 years, since the uh, p- uh, pilgrims came over from the Mayflower. The Egyptians have been keeping the Israelites in slavery for roughly 400 years. You can see it's been 400 years. Those folks don't, don't remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many of the folks here today do not know about the God that the pilgrims brought on the Mayflower. That the first missionaries that came to the United States to share the good news with the Native Americans. That the first revival waves that swept across this new world. They don't remember that. There's a story that needs to be told. And we are living in a day today just like this. Folks are in slavery, they're in bondage, and they need a great deliverer. And that deliverer is not Moses. That deliverer today is Christ. Jesus is their deliverer. Jesus delivers us from sin. Sin keeps you in bondage and in slavery. People are slaves to sin. That's what debt does. That's what addictions do. That's what happens with anything when you overdo it. That's what overeating does. You just want more. That's what drugs do. That's what alcohol does. That's what gossip does. You feed sin. You give more and more and more and more. And it destroys you. Keep going here in your Bibles. Now, we're coming up to sections, chapter verses 14 through 25. This is a genealogy account. I'm not going to read this. This is Moses and Aaron's genealogy. Why are we going to read it? Because Moses and Aaron, they came from the tribe of Levites. They're from the tribe of Levi. I mean, they were priests. They spoke on behalf of God. They were priests of clan. That was important in the Bible because remember, it's important that Moses make sure he he had been circumcised. He almost died over that. He had been circumcised, he's God's God's spokesman, and here he is serving the Lord. He's being called by the Lord, and he's a Hebrew who can certainly and does serve the Lord. So then we get here to this next verse, next couple verses this evening. It was this Aaron and Moses, whom the Lord told, "'Bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt.'" according to their military divisions. Military divisions, that would be their tribes. Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And this is important because what happens here, and I'm going to read these last two verses of chapter 6. Is God is reminding us that it was Moses and Aaron, the, two, the prophet and the prophet speaker Aaron, the two brothers who were to go and speak to the most powerful man in the world. God is setting up for these plagues. He's establishing a base saying, I will use my outstretched hand to show you that it's not because Moses and Aaron, anything that they did. In fact, they're the most unqualified, worst people in the world. Worse, people mean they didn't really want to do the job. They felt they were too old and someone else needs to go. They didn't have the skill set. But God raises them up. And it says here in verse 28, last couple of verses here, on the, on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I'm telling you. Moses was to be very clear. It's not what he says. This is God's message. He said, but Moses replied to the Lord's presence. So God, so Moses is talking back. So he said, God, this is what I want you to do. Say, Moses, since I am such. Look at this. It keeps coming up. Since I am such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? Guys, this is like the third time in this story. Second time today, a few weeks ago, we saw Moses talking about this. Moses wanted everybody to know he is a poor speaker. The reason Aaron is there is to help him with his poor speaking. Moses continued to tell God all of his non-qualifications of why he can't do something. How do we do this today? How do we disregard God's outstretched hand that He's trying to help us? We can tell God that possibly we don't know the Bible enough. We don't have time. We don't know what to do. And we don't make any effort on how to do it. You know, you can find out how to do anything online these days. We don't want to take the initiative to discover what to do. Do you know if you want the Lord to use you you made time and you put the effort towards it. And watch what God will do. You know, in this case here, Moses was not, he was just complaining. I mean, I'm sure God was frustrated. It's like, Moses, look, you can turn your staff and, through my power into a snake. You can take, dip the Nile River and pour it and it turns it into blood. I am enabling you to do anything. I'm raising you up. You're going to go to Pharaoh and even you don't have to speak. Aaron will speak on your behalf. You're going to do the work that I've called you to do. I think tonight how I want to end. I want you to think about it. God's outstretched arm. You're sinking in the water. It's like your little dog fell in the water right there at the pool. And it's sinking down. And you come in and you swoop and you pull it up. You pull it out of the water. You're scooped up, you're redeemed, you're saved. You did not have the opportunity to save yourself. God saves us. The Lord saves you. And I think what we need to be reminded, if the Lord can save me, if the Lord can pull me out of the sinking water, He also can, who created the tongue, who created our mouth, He also can give me the words to say. He knows you. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses. And God, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. God takes our weakness and uses it to advance the gospel. You know, I've I've heard it said, Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers, always says, a man's greatest strength is also his greatest weakness. And here's what he means by that. Think about if Moses was a really a skilled speaker. He had great, smooth, oratory skills. He could negotiate. He could charm Pharaoh. He could stand there with confidence and say, Pharaoh, let me tell you what the Lord says. Then, when they finally leave the Israelites, and God God frees them, and they pass through the Red Sea, Moses and some of the people might be tempted to think, you know, maybe it wasn't the Lord that freed us. Maybe it was Moses' wonderful oratory skills. His greatest strength, what he thought he was good at, actually brings pride in his life. It created a cockiness. It created an attitude of, I'm great. By actually Moses being a poor speaker, having no confidence, in many ways not even wanting to do the job whatsoever. Remember, Moses told God, says, Lord, just send someone else. I don't even want to do this. There's got to be someone else who can go my place. A man's greatest strength is also his greatest weakness. And here, God wants the weak God wants to unqualify. God wants that person who's like Moses and he wants to use them for kingdom work. Do you want God to use you? Are you ready for the Lord's touch? Are you ready for the power of God to go and speak through you? Then our attitude needs to be one. It says, Lord, I'm a weak man, but I'm willing. Lord, here I am, like Isaiah cried out, send me. Listen, God loves you. If you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? I want to hear from you. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to pray for you. If you want to respond to Jesus, you just shoot me a message. Let me know how our church can pray for you. Let me know how our church staff can minister to you. There's all sorts of needs out there. But we have a great God. and He meets all needs. If He can deliver these million plus people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. He can deliver you. God bless you. I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, I pray for the folks listening this evening. I thank you for this powerful message and a reminder that you work through our weakness. Lord, Moses complained and just reminded you how he was not qualified. He did not have the ability, did not have the tongue, did not have the language skills to do it. But God, we know you're a great Lord. And you certainly raised up Moses just like you can raise us up. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for this powerful study and how we are reminded that you deliver us from Egypt. We don't need to be in Egypt any longer. You want us to be redeemed. Lord, I pray you take these words and they, they seep down and we hold to them all the time. God, we give you this service. Seal it on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in, for listening on our podcast. I hope to hear from you. I hope to see you in person if you're able to come, if you're nearby. We have church here in person every Sunday morning at 10.30, every Wednesday night at 6.30. And then we have our online evening service that you're listening and watching right now. God bless you. I will see you next week.